Hello Colts fans, and welcome back to another episode here on Go For It. For those of you who have been tuning in over the last weeks since we have started this pod, thank you and welcome back. And for those of you joining us for the very first time, we want to offer you a hand of invitation to, con- to continue to stay around. We appreciate having you here, taking the time out of your day to stop and listen to what we have to say about the Indianapolis Colts. So, welcome to go for it. As always, as you will see, the more episodes that you listen to, we start each and every episode with a trivia question about the Indianapolis Colts. And my good friend and co-host, Nathaniel Velasquez, he's he's on it with these questions, guys. So I'm going to let him take it away with the trivia question for this week. Man, you got me so pumped. I'm ready to go. It's, it's pretty crazy how we've gone this far and We've gotten better and better each and every week, so let's keep on doing it. Absolutely. So let's go, Colts fans. I'm going to read you the question. Which Colts quarterback set an NFL record with four consecutive games with at least a 120 passer rating? And I'll give you a, a some options here. Uh, it would be either Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning, Johnny Unitas, or... Earl Morrill. Excellent question this week, Nate. And, uh, hey, guys, even more of a reason not to use the internet to cheat. You got it. This is a multiple choice. Nate made it easy on you this week with a multiple choice question. You got a 25% chance of getting it right, even if you don't know it. So, as always, please refrain from using the internet. Don't take the easy route. Rely on that incredible Indianapolis Colts knowledge that I know is in that smart intelligent brain of yours let us know over on our twitter page at gfi podcast what you think the answer to uh that uh, that question is and also if you're not already please go over there and follow so that you don't miss out on any of our uploads and any of the discussions that we continue on over there we retweet we retweet and talk about all that you can possibly think of with the indianapolis colts and whatever we don't talk about here, Nate, I think we pretty much talk about on the Twitter page. Yeah, so, we try to, for sure. Absolutely. So, we want to have conversations with you guys. So, don't forget, you know, what are you doing if you haven't already? Just get over there on Twitter, at GFI Podcast, like our, like our Twitter page, and we'll get into some really awesome discussions. So, And, you know, before we get into it, I want to ask you, out of all the questions we've done so far, have you actually used the internet? to find out your answer uh nate i don't i don't have to answer that question okay because i listen listen the co-hosts we have we have we play by different set of rules okay oh is that how it goes (laughs) is that how it goes uh i don't know maybe but uh i don't know you don't just don't don't follow my example maybe i'm a bad example don't you know monkey see monkey do don't do don't do that in this case just here because they can't obviously see you uh right right <laughs> just here but do the opposite of what i do so i might i might end up being a hypocrite here oh Nate it's all right i'm out. just teasing you man <laughs> i mean you, we gotta have this fun guys we gotta have some fun here you know can't always be serious absolutely that's all we like to do is have fun now that one week nate we did have that pretty deep discussion oh it's over with it's under the bridge man (laughs) i keep wanting to bring it up he doesn't want to bring it up at all it's under the bridge (laughs) and to be honest i've liked philip rivers more and more and i mean i'll admit it i i really hope he does succeed expectations and i really hope you know colts will make it to the playoffs and you know my dream is to see them make a deep run and have him back in the super bowl again i mean they are being 
you know, considered a Super Bowl contender if Philip Rivers ends up working out. Absolutely. And uh, there's a lot of people he has to go out there and impress, I think. So um, not just not just us. He's got to prove a lot of people that he belongs in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. So. And he said he's sick of what everybody's saying about him. So. Yeah, washed up, has yeah. been. And he's, he's coming in with a chip on his shoulder, and I think that's a good thing. So... As much as we would maybe like to, we are not here to talk about Philip Rivers today. That is not the main topic of discussion, but we have some great topics to go over and discuss in this week's episode. So fasten your seatbelts, everyone. Maybe grab a cup of coffee. Nate reminded me I needed to. I looked kind of tired tonight, so I had to get me a cup of coffee. And uh, let's just sit in on this, and uh, let's start an awesome discussion in this week's episode about the Indianapolis Colts. Do it. So, Nate... Yes, sir. Daniel Jeremiah. <laughs> I uh, didn't know who he was. You asked me if I knew who he was. I didn't know who he was. But he released a pretty interesting uh, ranking for a certain aspect of the game of football. Uh, in this case, the offensive and defensive line combination. So this ranking is a combination of the total strength divided between the defensive line an offensive line of each team. Correct. Right. And as you guys can probably uh, guess, since we are an Indianapolis Colts podcast, the Colts made it on this ranking. There was uh, It was ranked top uh, top five, and at the number one spot, the overall ranking for offensive line, defensive line, strength, the combination of strength between the uh, both sides of the ball on the line. Uh, the Saints ranked first, the 49ers second, the Eagles third, the Chiefs fourth, and our one and only Indianapolis Colts ranked fifth out of 32 teams on total uh, strength uh, when it comes down to the combination of the offensive line and defensive line uh, combination. Nate, if I even have to ask, do do you think this is a pretty fair evaluation of the Colts' current situation on both sides of the ball? Well, when I was listening to Daniel Jeremiah talk about this topic... It actually surprised me that he had the Colts ranked number five. And the only reason why I say that is because there is one team that everybody knew could uh, could play some defense, especially with their defensive line, and then also had a great running game streak with Lamar Jackson. So obviously with me saying Lamar Jackson... I'm talking about the Baltimore Ravens, and everybody knows how good their defensive line is and also knows how great their offensive line is, especially since they led the league last year in in the running game. And obviously they're not on this list. So that was a bit of a surprise. And especially with the Chiefs, their O-line wasn't that good. It It is because of Patrick Mahomes that made them, you know, what the way they are. And then, uh, to be honest, I, I can't, I cannot, you know, disagree with this. This actually is a pretty good, yeah, pretty good uh, ranking depth. Well, and I think the Chiefs got better as the year went along. And we have to understand, we have to remember though, the Chiefs let a Colts defense that, as much as we love them, they were at at least inconsistent when it came to the pass rush. Some weeks they'd have four or five sacks. Some weeks they might have two or one. You know, they 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 were inconsistent. And they let the Colts come into Kansas City, what was it, week five? And they absolutely beat up Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, the one of the bright spots of last season was we went in and we won that game. 
Um, but I think their I think their line got better as the year went along. But I am surprised to see them there instead of the Ravens. I'm with you on that. I think that's a little surprising. Well, you know how I was talking about last week when um, just because the Buccaneers added Tom Brady this offseason, they jumped like 10 spots in the power rankings. That's basically exactly what happened here with the Indianapolis Colts. Like, we just added Buckner, you know, a, a big guy, good guy, pro bowler, uh, really, really strong man, probably rem- could remind you of Goliath, you know. But anyways, with with just adding him, and we did add more players in the defensive line, let's not forget that. But when Daniel Jeremiah put this together, he mainly just talked about DeForest Buckner. With good reason. Because he was part of that all-star of a defensive line in San Francisco. And then just adding him to our defensive line, that just jumped the rankings, man. And I'm pretty excited about it. And I'm just glad one guy can make the difference. Absolutely. And I think I think that's the best way to describe it. Um, DeForest Buckner brings so much to the table. You know, he brings so much talent to the defensive line. And the the defensive line, in my opinion, was very, very good. Um, he, the defensive line was already very, very good. Um, but, uh, I'm sorry, guys. Just, okay, we're laughing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, Nate's daughter just came out to say, say goodnight to Dad. And... Gave him a kiss on the cheek, and she also gave me a kiss on the cheek. It was not expected, so... Well, sorry, we kind of got a little uh, cracked yeah, up. Yeah, we're outside on my screened-in porch, guys. <laughs> this is the only quiet place we had to go to. And then my daughter's coming out here giving me a goodnight kiss, and then decides to give Elijah a kiss. So that, that's what's funny, sorry. Sorry about that, but uh, <laughs> to, get back to, the, uh, to get back to the topic, I, I already thought that uh, the Colts' defensive line was was good, probably in my mind better than what a lot of other people thought they were. Um, but it always comes back to that inconsistency, and I think that was because of a lack of strength in the middle of the defensive line. Justin Houston was very good, very consistent last year. Came out with 11 sacks to finish the season. Um, Kamoko Ture dealt with injuries. They had to swap out a lot of guys on the other side of the ball. That hurt us a lot. Mm-hmm. Everybody but, was excited about him yeah. because his first year here, yeah, he was on fire, and then he just. Yeah. Kind of went down, and it kind of that kind of seemed to be the story from you know this season. He started off extremely strong and was getting after the quarterback. You could tell he had improved a lot based on his rookie, you know, based on his rookie performance, and uh, he was ready to come in and compete. And he went down with some injuries throughout the year, um, but I I think it goes almost unanimously across the board that the biggest issue for the Colts on the defensive line was that interior. And adding a guy like DeForest Buckner, who, you know, we sacrificed our first-round pick for him, but in my mind, he's, he's worth it. He's worth it. He's a first-round-level talent um, for us. Javon Kinlaw was the guy we could have drafted instead of him, and they're pretty comparable. And DeForest Buckner, in my mind, at least right now, we'll see after the season gets underway. We'll see if that changes. But as of right now... DeForest Buckner, in my mind, is a better pick to sacrifice to your at 13. Because he's than, already ready. Yeah, he's, he's ready. He's, he's already been game time it. experience, and he's he's battle-tested, battle-hardened. He's played the game at the uh, professional level and been successful. So he's a lot more of a surefire pick than Javon Kinlaw, as talented as Kinlaw is. So um, 
with that, in spite of being Colts fans, trying to speak from an objective perspective just on the outside, I think number five is a great place for the Colts to be, and I think they definitely deserve to be on this list. Yeah, and we're just talk- we're just talking about the defensive line right now, but how about that offensive line? I mean, no one can argue that the Colts' offensive line is not top five. None of them can even arg- not argue that they're top three because they are top three. I mean, you got Quentin Nelson, the beast, man. You you just get out of the way because you're so scared of the guy. I mean, he comes with so much aggressiveness. He comes uh, with so much power. He's not afraid to hit you, and he and after he hits you, he's nice enough to pick you back up. But but who wants to deal with that first and right. then be humiliated later? Exactly. But then you also got the rest of the offensive line that actually last year didn't miss a starting snap, which is unheard of. Yeah, almost every offensive line, offensive line in in the league, is never fully healthy and never could stay healthy the whole whole year. But somehow the Indianapolis Colts did it. Yeah, um, it's just incredible, and I think it's a testament to Chris Ballard's leadership, Frank uh, Frank Reich's leadership, um, just all the staff in Indianapolis. Um, you know, they, it really actually blows my mind because. Guys, let's not get complacent. You know, we need to remember the fact that it wasn't all that long ago the Colts' front front office was horrendous. Um, they couldn't figure out what to do at offensive coordinator. Pep Hamilton wasn't getting the job done. Rob uh, Chizinski came in, wasn't getting the job done. There was a lot of turmoil between Ryan Grigson and Chuck Pagano. There's a lot of turmoil between Ryan Grigson and the players. As a matter of fact, Pat McAfee, low-key, not even low-key, he retired because of Ryan Grigson, because of the mess that was the Colts' front office. Um, and so we can't, we have to remember those days, and we have to take, be thankful and remember not to take for granted the front office that we have now, um, because it's all because of Chris Ballard and this uh, Colts' front office um, that we've put together the type of team on both sides of the ball that we have, and why they deserve to be on this list. I mean, all that credit goes to all of those guys who put this team together. It's been great. We, yeah. we've, as Colts fans, we've been spoiled for many, many years, and all of us remember Jeff Saturday, Ryan Deem, Ryan Lilja, Jake Scott, and Tar Glenn, the the best O line that the Colts had for that long period of time, and then after they started leaving, then we started getting worse, mm-hmm. and then um, finally we got our offensive line back, and they're monsters, and it's not just because of Quentin Nelson, it's because every single one of them. Yeah, and you know, and just with that. The Colts' offense, I feel like they're primed to be very explosive on both sides of the ball. But on offense, they're really primed to be explosive again. And that's what Colts fans are used to. We are used to explosive football. Uh, we are we are used to explosive plays on offense. Um, and that's we desperately need to get back to that, and I think they're primed to do that this year. Um, but just in, re- in regards to the offensive and defensive line, um, I fully agree with this, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Colts really have a competitive uh, front yep. on both sides in the trenches. So, um, really good placement. I'm gonna have to look up Daniel Jeremiah and listen to him. See see what else he got to say. Um, yeah, uh, move the sticks podcast. It's pretty good with Bucky Brooks as well. Um, both of them scouts and uh, talking about present and talking about the future and then actually bringing up a lot of past um, picks and trying to put them together in comps. So it's been it's been pretty good. I love it. Awesome. So yeah, um, if you and if you guys haven't uh, heard of them or haven't checked them out, you need to go over there and do that. Um, they obviously have some really good content on there. So moving forward, 
Um, Chris Ballard had an interview this past week. I think it was this past week or within the last couple of weeks. And he revealed something that I found quite hilarious and um, quite awesome, actually. And it was about Quentin Nelson. Um, and, and this whole story, which a lot of you have probably heard about already, um, it just highlights Quentin Nelson's competitive nature. Basically, to set the scene, they were preparing to face the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, very potent team, obviously. They went on to win the Super Bowl, and they got Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback currently playing. Um, best quarterback on the field, in my opinion. Um, and they knew they had a test, because not only were they playing one of the best teams in, in football right now, they're playing in Kansas City. So um, they were trying to practice, they're trying to get better, uh, and, you know, trying to improve and analyze themselves and, and do whatever they can to be prepared for this game. And they, due to some injuries, the practice squad was on, like, skeleton crew. They, they had a, a small defensive end moving over to play a defensive tackle and line up opposite of Quentin Nelson. He was really undersized, really small, shouldn't have been playing at defensive tackle. Quentin Nelson gets angry Marches over to Chris Ballard, and this is Chris Ballard. Uh, Chris Ballard was telling this story. Marches over Chris to Chris Ballard, and basically chews him out and yells at him and says, "Why are you putting me up against an undersized, small defensive tackle? How in the world am I supposed to get better if you're putting me up against guys like this that aren't even a challenge for me? You know, come on, what are we doing?" Essentially, I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> I think there was a little bit hard, a little more harsh little vernacular yeah, yeah, yeah. in there, but uh, essentially that's what it was. And Chris Ballard said he didn't get angry. He was just he was actually excited because like that's the type of mentality that he's looking for on this team. That's the type of mentality that needs to be on this team to make them better each and every day. I mean, if even if he wasn't angry at Chris Ballard, if I was Chris Ballard, I would have probably tinkled my pants a little bit. I ain't, <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. Because that big of a man coming to me and challenging my authority, in a way he wasn't challenging his authority, but in a way he was. And I would be scared out of my mind. But no, his competitive competitiveness, man, I, I cannot agree with you more of how passionate this guy is. No, I mean, agree or disagree with me, he's probably the most hyped up offensive lineman in the league. Oh, completely am agree. I, am I, am I, yeah, I was he's a superstar. Say. Yeah, and he's getting talked about all around the league, and he's an offensive lineman. And he and he's making offensive line like he. A lot of young kids are wanting to play offensive line now because of him. Yeah. it's like you never hear of that. They always want to be the quarterback. They always want to be the wide receiver or the running back. But no, this guy is bringing back the offensive line and making it fun again, Swagger. which is awesome. Yeah, and I mean, in a way, you can agree with him and say, "Why am I facing this?" 280-pound tackle when the guy I'm facing is almost 300 and something and a lot quicker than this guy. And, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I In high school, when I was playing, if I was playing somebody across from me that was definitely undersized from me, I loved it. I wanted to kill him. I wanted to, you know, show that there's no way this little kid or little guy is going to show me up. But this is Quentin Nelson we're talking about. We're not talking about me. This guy is a competitor, and I love it. Yeah, um, and it's that it's that attitude that makes everybody better. And that was essentially what Chris Ballard was getting at. And, um, you know, that attitude proves his status as a leader on this football team um, and on that offensive line. It's no secret he anchors this line. And especially once Anthony Costanzo is gone, 
um, you know, he, if not already, he's going to be the guy on the offensive line, which is crazy because he's not playing, you know, he's not playing, he's playing on the blind side, but mm-hmm. he's not that coveted left, what is it, tackle? Tackle, yeah. You know, um, he's playing left guard, and he, so, like, he's usually, like, the, the left tackle in the center. Like, those are usually the big, big positions on the line. Uh-huh. But Quentin Nelson is making waves in his guard position there on the blind side, and he's the anchor for this offensive line. Um, and you got to watch him play. I've never wanted to watch an offensive lineman play more than since Quentin Nelson has been on the field. I agree. I have never, like, I can seriously watch an entire Colts drive only watching him. And if you do that, if you challenge yourself to focus in on the left guard position and only watch Quentin Nelson, even for just a few plays, you're going to see at least one highlight reel worthy uh, worthy play. He's going to he's gonna lay somebody out. He's going to run out. One of my favorite uh, plays that they called up over the course of last season was when uh, Frank Reich would call, like, an outside sweep um, specifically to the right side or whatever. And to initiate the play, quarterback snapped the ball. Um, uh, big Q would run out, and he would bootleg out with the running back. And he would just he would run, and he would target the first guy he saw in the running lane, and he would just plow them to the ground. <laughs> or the guy just gets out of the way. <laughs> or the guy just kind of dives to the side. Like, his, he knows. A lot of times when he's in that position, he's going up against the cornerback. So you're talking about, you know, maybe a 180-pound guy, 180 guy versus this humongous, ridiculously athletic left guard in Quentin Nelson. Um, he's just incredible to watch, and this is just a testament to his competitive nature, his competitive drive. For, for a minute, I thought you were going to bring up his attempted uh, run in the end zone oh. and getting completely stumped. I'm calling it. This this might be a hot take. I'm calling it. This year, Big Q gets his touchdown. What? He tried, no, he no, no, tried no. last year. After one failed attempt, but no more. What if he, they just refrigerate or parry it? He, he lines up in the fullback position. He only did position. it once. He only did it once and succeeded. <laughs> this is completely different. He tried it, he failed. And out of it, we just got a free show of him supposedly drinking a keg, okay? Well, I mean, listen. Everybody, everybody wants to see Big Q get a touchdown. I want to see Big Q get a touchdown. I know you want to see Big Q get a touchdown. I definitely don't agree. Uh, disagree. <laughs> I, I just want to see his next celebration. I really do. Yeah. So, we have started a new series as we get closer to finishing up draft in depth we've started a new series going week by week talking about each of the opposing teams the Colts will be facing throughout the course of the 2020 season um and uh, it is called path to the playoffs we uh, discussed uh, the first what was it we've gone through the first two weeks yep the first two weeks of the season um and that has landed us on week three the Colts will be facing off against the New York Jets in Lucas Oil Stadium on September 27th at 4.05 p.m. Eastern Time. And, uh, Nate, I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of cocky about this game. Are you? Yeah. Are you really? I'm pretty cocky about this game. I like Sam Darnold, and our beloved Frank Gore is lining up in the backfield, getting some snaps in behind mm-hmm. Le'Veon Bell there yeah. in New York. That is um, true. But, man, I just I don't see how the Colts don't steamroll the Jets. This is week three, and we're going to... I think we're finding our rhythm at this point in the year. Phillip Rivers is getting comfortable with his receivers. He's starting to establish his own consistency. Um, you know, we get some early glimpses at future greatness out of Michael Pittman Jr. and Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. Uh, defense continues to get better as the year goes along. That seems to be the overarching theme for Matt Eberflus's defense. They get better. They adapt. They improve as the year goes along. 
Um, I don't see how the Colts don't steamroll the Jets by at least two touchdowns. I hope so because every, I think it's been – I think it was like two years ago and the year before that we got killed. I think it was when Rex Ryan was the coach back in the day while Tim Tebow was still there and we got killed there. And We had some, we had some goofs <laughs> against the Jets. It's been weird. It really yeah. has. I don't think we've played Sam Darnold, though, so that's kind of the no. um, thing um, that we need to remember. And if you guys haven't followed us and this is your first time listening, like you said, we've been doing this about two weeks now. This would be the third. And he has the Colts being 2-0 at this point, and I have the Colts being 1-1, having the Colts lose against the Minnesota Vikings the second game of the season. And I completely agree with him is that this is where the Colts should be finding the rhythm. And I, I agree again. The Colts should not lose this one. They really should not. But for some odd reason, I hope I'm wrong, that we just don't lose against them. Yep. Yeah, well, and I feel like the Jets, we don't play the Jets that much. No, we don't. Even though they're an AFC team, we don't play the Jets all that much. No. Um, I feel like the Jets are kind of like the Chargers to the Colts, in a way. Like, we, we've lost a lot to the Chargers. And I don't mean to bring up more bad memories, but the last year Peyton played for the Colts. Oh, yeah. yeah the yeah, last yeah. year he actually yeah, suited up for the Colts. Yeah. We lost to the Jets. That that was that was stupid. That was the Colts. That was the coach's fault. That was Jim Caldwell's fault. That was a poorly coached game. Yeah. We lost to the Jets in the divisional round of the playoffs, and they went, well, they went to face the uh, Patriots, didn't mm-hmm. they? Mm-hmm. In the AFC Championship game. Was that the year... Was that the year the Patriots went and lost to the Giants? Um, I, no. I want to say no. No, they played. Ah, oh. it's been a They've while. They've been so to so I many. That's gonna bug me. I'll have to look that up later. <laughs> They've been to so many, but yeah, Jets end up uh, beating the Colts. Went on to play the Patriots in the AFC Championship game, which they got extremely slaughtered in that game. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the Jets. I don't know. They're kind of a conundrum. But I don't think that there's too much of a conversation to be had here, really. Um, I think um, I think we could talk about before we move on. We could talk about standout players. Mm-hmm. I I've not done enough homework on the Jets to see where they're good and where they're bad. Um, I think Frank Reich definitely carries on their power run offense, um, and I could see Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack having really good games against the Jets. I could I think the wide receivers will have a good game. Uh, if you guys haven't followed much of the offseason, uh, the Jets literally have our leftovers, and I'm not kidding. <laughs> they have Qu- they have uh, Quincy Wilson, they have Pierre Desir, and they have Henderson. I forgot his first name, but he was a he's a defensive lineman. And then I have the, I believe they have a couple other Colts on their team. So you're just thinking practice squad Colts versus the starter Colts. But the practice squad Colts are with the the Jets, and uh, I believe they're going to have a field day um, wide receivers-wise. Nothing against Quincy Wilson, nothing against Pierre Desir. Pierre Desir was our best corner when he was here, our best, without a doubt. He's done great things for the Annapolis Colts. But we got rid of him for a reason. He just wasn't fulfilling the end of his bargain when we resigned him to that three-year deal. He couldn't also stay healthy either, so that was another thing that hurt him while he re-signed with the Indianapolis Colts. And Quincy Wilson couldn't put it together. I don't know what it was with Quincy Wilson. I kind of put it towards he's still young. I believe he's not. he just turned 21. 
I think I I believe he did. He's a young man. He came out of college early, being an eighteen or a nineteen year old kid playing in the NFL. That's pretty difficult to do, and you wouldn't expect him to learn right away and get better and better right away. But he definitely just couldn't get it together. And but yeah, I believe Michael Pittman and um, uh, T. Y. Hilton, Zach Pascal, Perry Campbell will have a field day. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, that's an excellent point to make. I didn't even think about that. Um, but uh, well, that's why you have me. Exactly. I couldn't do it without you. I really couldn't. <laughs> so uh, let us know. Don't forget. I'm gonna pound this home. I'm gonna keep on driving this home until everybody remembers. But Twitter at GFI Podcast. Let us know what your predictions are for Week Three matchup against New York Jets at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. Let us know um, what the outcome you think it'll be and who you think will stand out the most in that game. Just to have an official prediction, Nate. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna say 24-14. Oh, I was doing 31-14. 31-14. Hey, we're we're on the, we're along the same brain brainwave though. Yep. So I think I do not see the Colts dropping this game. I think I really think they're gonna get into rhythm at this point. They're gonna start to to raise some eyebrows. Mm-hmm. They're gonna start getting people thinking, "Oh my gosh, like we might have us a contender here in uh, Indianapolis." Yep, rooting for it. Yeah, absolutely. Moving on to uh, some other NFL news before we hop into draft in depth, which we are going to be doing covering two the the next two draft picks tonight in uh, draft in depth so stay tuned for that but before we move on to draft in depth just to cover a little bit of nfl news not related to the current political climate um the uh yeah thank goodness we want to move on from uh want to move on from that and try and get back some uh football news here but uh um the nfl is thinking about shortening the preseason from four games to two games uh and I feel like people, I feel like it's kind of a 50-50 draw on how people feel about this. Less preseason action, which majority of people don't really care about. It's only hardcore football fans like you and I, Nate, um, and maybe people taking the time to listen to us. I mean, you got to be a hardcore Colts fan looking for content. No doubt. You know, if you're wanting to tune into this for 50 minutes to an hour. but uh, It hits home for us. It really does. Yeah. Because but, people have no doubt how hard it is to analyze as it is with just four games yeah exactly um and so for guys like us who love to get beyond the surface of the love of football and actually dig in to um the depth of each roster specifically the roster for the Indianapolis Colts in this case um you know for us I think preseason is valuable and important because we get to see a lot of guys that have been drafted or signed on um through uh undrafted free agency um that's for a lot of these guys that we drafted this year or signed in the offseason, preseason is going to be the only time we get to see what they're about. Mm-hmm. The, the specific player that stands out in my mind in regards to this is Jacob Eason. Jacob Eason, in my mind, unless something goes drastically wrong this year and we lose Phillip Rivers and Jacoby Brissett somehow, there is no way that Jacob Eason takes a single snap in the regular season. And I don't think that's a hot take. I think that's something nope. that pretty much everyone can agree on. Yep. Um, I don't see Jacob Eason playing a single snap this year um, in the regular season. So with that being said, uh, weeks one through four, preseason uh, one through four, with the exception of maybe week three, which is when a lot of the starters get a good chunk of playing time uh, before the regular season starts, 
Uh, we won't. That's the only time we'll get to see what Jake, the early Jacob Eason. Um, he's probably, I don't know. He's definitely a project. He's definitely a developmental quarterback. Um, but that's our chance to see him play a little bit. Um, and that's my only concern when it comes to shortening the preseason is not getting to watch him play as much and not getting him enough game time on the field. Just think how hard it is for the coaches. I mean, I don't want to be a coach right now because you're the one making the cuts and making the add of the 53-man roster, and they got to choose all these guys with the 90-person roster. And let me be clear, it, it's definitely not easy, especially as just an analyst or you're analyzing all these players, and it's like, I agree we should get rid of this guy. I, I agree we should get rid of that guy. But that's within four, just four games, and it that's hard as it is. But if you shorten it to two, it makes it even harder. And I understand why they're just doing it for two this year, just because of what's going on right now in the world. It's a business decision. Yeah, it's a business decision, and uh, they just want to keep their players healthy, especially the stars, you know, and whatnot. And with Jacob Eason, I don't think you should have a problem with seeing him play in the preseason just because last year Philip Rivers I believe did not take a single snap in the preseason when he was with the Los Angeles Chargers and I believe he'll probably take the same approach this year but then again I could be wrong because this is a new team so he would like to get that little chemistry going before the season starts but I don't know that yet and we don't know that yet but as for right now more than likely, just because of his age and trying to save his arm, he he could be just resting it until the season starts. Yeah. Um, and that that is kind of a conundrum. Um, and if there are only two games that's, that are going to be played in the preseason, um, that will limit play time for backup quarterbacks if he chooses to play uh, in, a little bit in the preseason, just because, you know, it can make sense either way, right? He's he's in the latter part of his career by far, wants to keep himself fresh, be fully ready for the regular season, take no chances, or maybe he wants to get his feet wet as soon as possible with his new team. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and his decision will impact how much Jacob Eason gets to see the field, obviously, well, um, well, for the preseason. Right now, there's four quarterbacks. Everybody forgets <laughs> about Chip Chad, Kelly, yeah. Or Chip Kelly, yeah. yeah. And everybody forgets him, so... In a way, we they probably won't even let Jacoby play. They'll yeah. just probably, if they do, it'll probably be a few series. But the preseason would just be Jacob Eason and Chip Kelly. Yeah, is it Chip or Chad? I think it's Chad. Isn't Chad it, Kelly wasn't Chip Kelly the Eagles quarterback? Oregon Ducks. No, quarterback? he was he, he was the um, coach. So I was saying it wrong. Or did I say quarterback? I, oh yeah, my you goodness! Did. Yeah, We're you having did. brain malfunctions on the air right now. I meant coach. Yes, yes, yes. you did. Yes. yes. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, Chad Kelly. Backup quarterback, fourth string quarterback, Swag. or third, depending on how you look at it. For the Colts right now, Chip Kelly, former fallen from grace NFL coach, not yeah. quarterback, <laughs> coach. So, um, but yeah, uh, four quarterbacks on the roster, Nate. And and obviously Kelly's the odd man out. Oh, yeah, it has to be. Yep. Even though Frank Reich, I think Frank Reich definitely has a soft spot for Chad Kelly. Because Just Jim, because Jim, Jim Kelly. Kelly, yeah. He backed up Jim Kelly for years. Yep. So... It's kind of tough. I think Chad Kelly has finally found some consistency in Indianapolis. I think being, I loved watching him. Yeah, I loved watching. Yeah, him. and being under Frank Reich's tutelage, I don't think he could be in a better situation. So from that perspective, from his story in the NFL, it's kind of sad 
but it's just the truth and nature of the business. It's business. Um, yep. He's the odd man out. You can't have four quarterbacks on your active roster. Once I don't the know. Season starts. Could it be crazy? Could it be Could out there? Be a little crazy. Well, I mean, think about it. Would you put your maybe future because we don't know yet if Jacob Eason's the answer. Let's let's put that down to rest. Right now, he's not the answer. It's just we got to figure it out if we can get him to fix his issues. And if he does, then yes, it would be one of the best picks the Indianapolis Colts has ever done. Uh, but are you willing to risk still a guy that has definitely an upside and putting him on the practice roster? If you do, somebody could come and claim him and take him away from your roster. Yeah. And then what are you going to do then? So maybe they will keep him on the roster with the 53-man roster and probably keep a fourth-string quarterback. Yeah. Which, I Which mean, is unheard of. It is unheard of. It's not common at all. As a matter of fact, anymore, I don't think it's very common to have three quarterbacks. Yeah, it's normally just two, yeah, um, because they want that extra spot for exactly. another position. But Jacob Eason's not going anywhere. Jacoby's not going anywhere. We have him on a uh, – he has one year left on his deal. If he, if we decide to send him away, we just pretty much eat twenty almost $20 million. Um but uh, Jacob Eason, they're going to take time to develop him. He's not going anywhere. And, of course, Philip Rivers are starting quarterback. So yep. um, it, it could happen if they really see the value. But Basically, you can see how from four games to two games could be completely exactly. hard to figure out. Yeah, and those two games could be the difference between even that decision. Choosing yep. to keep all four or let Chad Kelly go or signing him to the practice squad, risking him getting picked up by another team, which probably would happen. I mean, to be honest, it wouldn't matter. Yeah. Because we all know he's not going to No, he's not going to play. play. So. No. But I just think he's a likable guy in terms of his story, like all that he's been involved in mm-hmm. and like all the mistakes he's made. And it really seems like he's found some consistency in Indianapolis. So for his sake. And a lot of people were wondering why he wasn't the backup too because he did show a lot of promise yeah. in the preseason. But I've also heard it said that the Colts can't afford to have a guy like Chad Kelly as their starting quarterback just because of just how bad it would probably be for PR, like public relations. Just Maybe. based on – I'm not saying I feel that way personally, <laughs> but I've heard that argument – be made yeah, about Chad Kelly, you. which is sad. He's kind of hurt his reputation with the things that he's gotten involved in in the past. One thing I do hate, and I wish they would change for his sake, if you look up Chad Kelly on Google, his reference picture is his mugshot. <laughs> all, all the other Colts players are in, you know, just their regular picture in their Colts uniform. It's his mugshot. I'm like, Google be, Google be playing Chad Kelly for a fool. Like, Google's there... They're not. They're not treating him right by keeping that on there like that. But <laughs> yep. yeah, it's yep. it's so it's sad. His but... And he's smiling too. <laughs> That's what's the problem. He's smiling. <laughs> he's got this big smile on his face. Oh, poor guy. Poor guy. But I guess we're kind of getting off. Sorry, topic, guys. But, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, that's essentially that's kind of overall though. When it, in terms of shortening the preseason, would you be okay with it? I think I would, in spite of everything I've said. Um, I think I would just because I hate the preseason. The preseason drags on because what happens, the preseason is a tease, Nate. It's a tease because you want football, but it's not football. football. It's not the NFL. You feel like you're watching a a low-grade college or high school. Yeah, so as much as I like to see the, the, the backups play and the guys who won't see much action or any action at all play, there's not enough of that for me to just want four games. I've always wanted them to 
shorten the preseason just because I want football. I want to get to football, and the preseason is almost a torturous affair because yeah. you got to sit through all this garbage football and for another four weeks before you can watch what you actually want to see. So I, I'm okay with it if they do yeah. it. I'm not going to lose sleep over it. I'm not going to call you up, Nate, and complain for two hours and cry myself to sleep. I wouldn't answer. I don't blame you. I that would be answer. ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So draft in depth, Nate. We are getting close to yep. finishing up this series. Um, we have talked about everybody that has been drafted up to, um, was it Jake? Uh, no, it was uh, Pinter. Uh, the last, or are you talking about recently? Yeah, the last, last one we talked last about. Last week was Pinter, yeah. Pinter, yeah. Um, defensive, or I'm sorry, offensive lineman that we drafted uh, in the fifth round. Fourth round. Fifth round. Fifth are, round. Are, you look, are you looking for me to help you there? I'm just kidding. Yes. Yes, it is fifth round. Fifth round, okay. So, uh, we are actually going over two picks this week in Rob Windsor and Isaiah Rogers. We're getting down to the bone of the 2020 draft for the Colts. These are definitely depth picks. There's a lot of potential, and I think these are really good places. This was a really good place to go and pick up Rob Windsor and Isaiah Rogers, um, just because I've heard so many good things about them. Rob Windsor, he is revered for his work ethic and his tenacity and his desire to be as good as he possibly can for his teammates and for himself. Um, I think he was the one I was reading about a little bit ago, received uh, uh, 2019 honors for uh, like senior, the biggest senior contrib- contribution to Penn State football. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty big accomplishment in all of Penn State football um, to receive that, uh, to receive that award. Um, you know, he is he was highly respected by all his teammates out of Penn State. Um, everywhere, everything that I've read about Rob Windsor is overwhelmingly positive. Mm-hmm. He just obviously he just didn't have that talent to really grab the attention to get a, to get picked earlier in the draft than yeah. he did. He's um, just a go getter. He's just a go getter, and I think the Colts see a lot of potential there to be a rotational player. Yeah, obviously we have our number one guy in DeForest Buckner uh, going to be sharing probably the majority of his snaps with Sheldon Day. Uh, when they have four guys on the field, which they will for most of the time, because they're a uh, what is it? I always get it mixed up. Is it three four? It's a four, four three. guys. Four three. Four three. Four because, guys on the line. Because for right now, we don't know who's taking part of uh, replacing uh, Jabal Sheard because he's right. no longer there. Right. But a lot of people speculate it to be Alkadi Muhammad or Tyquan Lewis. Yep. And then you have obviously Houston on the other side, and then you'll have DeForest Buckner. And a lot of people believe, and I truly believe that it's going to be Grover Stewart having the starting job at least in the first and second um, down. And then you'll have Sheldon Day around the third. Yeah. So, But that's really the the game plan week in, week out for the Colts defensively is their ability to rotate players who are still talented enough to compete on the field so that nobody gets tired. They keep guys in rotation so the defense can keep going 100% for 60 minutes of football. So, and, and this I guy's think, a competitor. Absolutely, he's a competitor, and he adds to the overall culture with his competitive drive and his tenacity on the field and off the field. Uh, he definitely adds to the culture, and Chris Ballard is all about culture. He's all about adding guys that he believes fit the Colts the best, and not just on the field, yep. but in their attitude, their mentality, and the way they carry themselves. And the community, and, exactly. And the community, yeah. And so Rob Windsor definitely does that. And then you have Isaiah Rogers. Who I think there will be a place for him to compete, because 
it's not a lock that Xavier Rhodes is going to be the starting guy. I and hope so. <laughs> Anyways, go ahead. I think he's going to be. Yeah. Just so I, I preface it by yeah, that. I, I think he's going to be. But really, there's nowhere that I've seen that he's just the lock-in starting guy to, to line up opposite of Rocky Sin. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be. But there's a chance for Isaiah Rogers to compete. You also got to think the slot corner position, although Kenny Moore has got that on lock. He's the highest paid slot corner in the NFL. Um, he still needs a breather. He can't hold it down for 60 minutes. Um, he needs to be able to have rest. So I think uh, we also talked about how Julian Blackman might get some snaps in the slot corner position. Because um, really, Kari Willis and uh, Play- not Clayton Gathers, Malik Hooker. Um, you must miss him. I do. I mention I mention Clayton Gathers all the time. Yeah, you have. Oh man, I he had some good moments. Yeah, very inconsistent, but he had some good moments, and I did like him as a player. But, um, but Julian Blackman, he might get some. He might get some looks in the slot corner position throughout the season. Um, Isaiah Rogers, I think he could see some action there, maybe as a rotational um, for behind Rocky Sin and Xavier Rhodes, but. Um, but both of these are definitely depth picks, but they're also high in character, and Chris Ballard goes after these guys yeah. like that. And last week I talked about Isaiah Rogers. Um, I believe he was in Florida, and he was helping uh, pick up all the junk, if I can say that, of um, after all the rioting the first night, I guess, if the best way to put it. <clears throat> and he showed it on Twitter and stuff, so I applaud him for that. Absolutely. And that's where you said... Chris Ballard looks for those guys that is willing to help the community. He he's a, a team first guy. He's not a selfish guy. So an all all around Chris Ballard guy. And I believe I I believe he's going to make the roster. I really do because he's a, he's a kick returner, a punt returner. So he's a special teams guy, and then he adds depth to the nickel. I believe he's going to be in the nickel, and I think. Uh, the Colts even said that he's more going to be in the nickel because Kenny Moore does need his break. Then I believe we brought in T.J. Carey from uh, Cleveland, and uh, he's supposed to be part of the nickel help. And to be honest, Naheem Hines is going to be your starting kick returner and punt returner, but if he goes down or if you want to just be safe and not let him do the special teams for some odd reason, then you got Isaiah Rogers who who can do that for you. Yeah, he has experience there, a lot of experience there, um, and he was fast too. I believe he's a four three guy, so he's see, Colts, he's fast. The Colts did add a lot of speed um, to the roster. I feel like this this year, um, just through the draft alone, added a lot of speed. Um, so yeah, these are just great picks. And even though it's it's a little, you have to dig so much deeper for mid to late draft picks because those aren't the guys that are hyped up, you know. Those aren't the guys that are talked about a lot. Um, you know, those aren't the guys that you just immediately jump on the internet to do research about in the beginning. And, but, what, and what's <clears throat> funny, though, is that you still don't want to count them out. No. Because if everybody b- remembers, Anthony Walker was actually a seventh-round pick. <laughs> and obviously he's a starting Colts middle linebacker. Oh, yeah. And what a beast he is, too. He does not get enough recognition or credit. Um, I think within the Colts organization he does because they know how good of a guy he is and mm-hmm. how talented he is. But, um, but you know, doesn't get enough recognition outside of the Colts organization. But, uh, but yeah, I think Rob Windsor could be that sleeper for us. I don't think he's going to be taking anybody's job. But he could be that guy that steps in and 
just blows people away with how involved he's going to be on every play that he's in. Mm-hmm. Like every snap that he's in, he's going to be involved in that play. Yeah, in the result him. of that yeah. play. He's like a Darius Leonard on the line, essentially, in in terms of his mentality. I'm not yeah. saying I'm not it's saying like, whoa. No, 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 no. Let me backtrack. I'm not saying he's a Darius Leonard talent, but in terms of wanting to get after it the way that Darius Leonard be in does. every play. Yes, be in on every play, even if he's not able to physically be in on every play. You know he's going to be trying. Um, and it seems cliche because shouldn't that be what everybody wants to do when they get on the field? Yes. But not everybody does. Not everybody does. People loaf. People, they slack off. Yeah, if, it, if the ball's not co- going towards them, they kind of slack off a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. But the Colts, they hate that. Matt Eberflus hates that. As a matter of fact, he calls you out, he chews you out, and he punishes you if you're caught loafing on the yeah, field. Yeah, he doesn't let you play, for no, sure. Yeah, I I love that about, and about Matt And to be honest, Eberflus. speculations are that that's the reason Taekwon Lewis hasn't played much, even if he's been healthy. Wow, I didn't know that. I mean, you don't you don't get rewarded for for being lazy, especially not within the Colts organization. And for any organization to succeed, you have to have that strict mentality. You got to have that guys with that kind of character that'll be like, no, if you're not going to give 110 percent of everything you got for this team, why should we keep a place for you on the field? Mm-hmm. You know, why should we why should we hold a spot open for you on the field? Yeah, he just um, uh, Windsor just needs to work on his hands. That's, yeah, that's what he needs. He has the power, and he's got the engine. Yeah. He just and needs to work on the hands, and who better to help with that than Robert Mathis? Yeah, exactly. Um, Colts, they definitely have the tools to help Rob Windsor succeed. And the dark horse you were saying, or the sleeper, is Isaiah Rogers for me. Yeah. I believe he's going to definitely make it a big impact for the corner slot position if, for some reason, Kenny Moore can't play or if uh, he needs rest. So. Yeah. Uh, both these guys have the potential to be that for the Colts. Um, and you can't, like you said, you cannot count them out just because they're late draft picks. Um, they're they're late draft for a reason, but you can't count them out just because they are. Yep. Because it's not just about... The draft is purely based on talent that has been assessed through the combine, through their performance in their last year, last two years of college, how far they progressed or degressed. Um but that doesn't mean they're incapable of becoming great once they have been matured and developed through the coaching staff. That's why coach. That's where coaching is so important. Is you know the, what separates the great coaches from the poor coaches are the ones that can develop these players properly. That's why Bill Belichick is so great. Um, he's not known for his draft ability. He's not known for his roster moves. He's not known for his genius strategic off-season moves. He's known for being able to develop guys that no one else would think about and make them great players in his scheme. Um, and that's what separates the great coaches from the mediocre ones. Um, and I think the Colts have the coaching staff to get the absolute best out of every player that they have on their active roster. Good point. So, Very good point. So let us know um, what you guys think uh, up to this point, or just in general, who you think the sleeper is going to be. Let us know on Twitter <laughs> who you think the sleeper is going to be for the Colts this year. If the Colts, if you think the Colts will have one, um, we you know beyond the obvious guys like Michael Pittman Jr. and Jonathan Taylor, there's behind them there's a lot of there's a lot of a lot of players who they're not guaranteed to be successful. And Jonathan Taylor, and Michael Pittman Jr., they're not guaranteed to be successful. Nobody's no. guaranteed success, but you just hope they are. You just hope they, they are. 
But uh, let us know what you guys think um, about Rob Windsor, Isaiah Rogers, and who you think might stand out and surprise everybody that was drafted by the Colts this year. So, Nate, before we close it out, you want to reveal the answer to the trivia question. Always, always. It's my favorite part. Which Colts quarterback set an NFL record with four consecutive games with at least a 120 passer rating? And I gave you some options. Andrew Lutt, Peyton Manning, Johnny Unitas, or Earl Morrill. When I sent this to you, Elijah, who did you say? Hmm. I I would have guessed I would have guessed Peyton Manning. I think everybody would have guessed Peyton Manning. Yeah, because I didn't know the especially, answer. To this especially question. present day. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. It was actually Johnny Unitas. Johnny U. People forget just how great Johnny Unitas mm-hmm. was. Man, he was amazing. He's won a lot of championships for the Baltimore Colts and um Sadly, we couldn't keep him in for um, Indy. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's not Indy. Excuse me. He's kind of a little young or old. Old. Well, old. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, uh, he's part of Colts history, though, and yeah. glad, glad to be a part of it. 18 or 19 seasons with the Colts. I think he played 19 overall, 18 with the Colts, one year with the Chargers. And everybody forgets he was a Charger. Yeah, he, uh, he actually helped. Uh, uh, he actually sat behind Dan... Bounce. Yep, and, I remember that. In San Diego, so it's crazy. Yeah, great quarterback. You know, a lot of people don't remember that. As a matter of fact, that probably could have been a question. I guess it still could be somewhere down somewhere, <laughs> down, the line. somewhere down the line. Everybody yeah. forget. Yeah, unless, unless they go back to this episode. <laughs> yeah. So, thank you guys so much for tuning into the pod. It truly does mean a lot to both of us that uh, you take time out of your day to listen to any part um, of our conversations. We just. We love the Colts. We love the game of football. And that's why we decided to do this, um, so that we could carry on our conversations that we have with each other onto a public platform so we could continue these conversations with other people who also love the game of football and also love the Indianapolis Colts. So um, don't forget, in terms of continuing discussions, please don't forget to like our Twitter page, at GFI Podcast. We continue our, our conversations over there. Uh, we love to have more in-depth conversations with everybody who uh, is tuning in for the pod. Um, we appreciate everyone who's been listening. Welcome back. Thank you for tuning in again. Uh, for those of you joining, uh, joining us for the first time, I hope you liked what you heard and choose to stick around for our future episodes. We've really enjoyed uh, having you guys share in on these conversations with us here on Go For It. So, Nate, without further ado, want to say thank you guys, and we will catch you on the next episode. Good night, everybody. <laughs>